Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Terry Peters. So Terry has worked as a strength and conditioning coach and performance manager at some of the biggest clubs in Europe, including Bayer Leverkusen and Olympic Lyon, which makes him the perfect person today to discuss how you can use activation sessions to get the most out of your athletic performance. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Terry onto the show. So Terry, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you back on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. Excellent. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, my name is Terry. I'm a performance coach. My last uh, three projects were with, uh, in football, were Olympic Lyon and Bayer Leverkusen. And my latest, uh, after leaving uh, Lyon, my latest project is uh, Jumbo Fisma, the road cycling team. So something completely different than, uh, than football, but uh, not less interesting. Um, and before that, yeah, I started my career uh, at the Dutch Olympic Federation. And from there, uh, I made the transfer to football and I stayed there for the last, well, now it's been 12, 13 years, I think. And time flies. <laughs> You've done a lot in, that, yeah. in those 13 years, no, right? Goes too quick. No, goes too quick. <laughs> um, so obviously we're here to discuss football and you've worked with some uh, some big clubs and obviously some uh, some big players within that. But uh, your job is to manage their performance and that includes work in the gym. So what do, what do footballers benefit from in terms of that transfer from gym-based exercises through to on-pitch performance? Well, as a football player, you have to navigate through an extremely chaotic environment on the pitch. And to be able to do that, it, you, you need to be supported by proper athletic development. And what that contains, in my opinion, are like four parts, so to say, is you have to increase your movement vocabulary. And you have to be able to articulate all those uh, movement patterns very, very well. This is the absolute basic. Um, and for me, that starts... In the gym, yeah, you you bend, you flex, you rotate, all the basic move, uh, movement patterns we know. So it starts with that because it's just like uh, when we have a conversation, a message should be clear. And moving is like the message of the body, sending a message out there. It's the brain trying to send a message and it's the body taking, uh, giving it, a, how you call it, like an entity. Um, second is obviously enhancing performance. So the uh, the classical uh, stuff, strength, speed, endurance, coordination. This is what we uh, I think we have to uh, develop off the pitch as well, because there we can control the work rest ratios, etc. Uh, injury prevention, even though there is not a specific biological adaptation called injury prevention, uh, I do think it's uh, it is the consequence of proper athletic development and really. Um, I cannot emphasize enough doing the basics well is absolute key. So uh, when we're on the pitch uh, with Peter Boss as a coach, for example, even the elite elite players spend a lot of time passing, kicking, doing technical drills, even though they are years behind that phase. And I believe in the gym, it's the same. You have to stick with absolute basic movement patterns and keep re- repeating them over and over again until they are at the best possible level. I really believe that's, that should be the basic of indoor work uh, because it counts as an activation session as well. And besides that, I think uh, increasing readiness by optimizing recovery is a very important part as well. And when we talk about uh, mobility, 
but also breathing as a part of exercising. I think all those four elements together uh, will create a, like we call it within our uh, team, we call it like an activation session. So I think it's a very good way to activate the body as well, and to use it as a primer to go on the pitch and be ready for all the scales which is coming to you. Um, I think we're going we're gonna to touch on that later on and see exactly what that might contain. But we mentioned some, um, some physiological adaptations there. Um, can you take us through the physiological adaptations you're looking to, to make in those sessions? Yeah, besides the endurance uh, parts from uh, muscular and uh, from a cardiorespiratory perspective, um, my main priorities are neuromuscular. So getting imbalances out of the way, uh, work on strength and power, uh, to be able to facilitate those fundamental movement patterns and express them at higher speeds under higher levels of fatigue without compromising. Uh, this is where core integrity is an important part as well. Uh, I hate to word core stability because for me, it's, uh, especially nowadays, when I think about core stability, I either think, uh, or, or especially the athletes will associate that with making 1,000 sit-ups a day on one side or doing like very complex circus acts, which you can find all over on Instagram, etc. And this is then labeled as course, the best core stability workout sessions. For me, that's nonsense, but core integrity, I prefer to use this term is absolute uh, one of the key elements uh, in the gym and an adaptation we're looking for to control the pelvic floor. Uh, body composition. I think body composition is a very important uh, target as well. Adaptation we're looking for because I think especially in football, uh, perhaps we spoke about that, that before, Matt, but um, perhaps due to a lack of life skills, you see, I see a lot of players which still run around with too, uh, too much body mass. And every kilo you have to take with you, which is one kilo too much, will hold you back and will decrease performance, increase the, the chance for, for getting injured. So for me, body, uh, working co body composition, uh, either when it's about overweight, but on the other side, uh, working on robustness is very important, important as well. Uh, you can be, uh, I don't believe you can be too small to be a football player, but I do think you can be, like a Ferrari, which has to operate within the framework of a, of a Dacia Logi, if you understand what I mean. Uh, you have to have a very robust framework in order to be able to compete with all those ex uh, external factors on the pitch, which are very aggressive. Um, so, yes, I think uh, those are the key physiological adaptations I'm looking for in, uh, in the gym. And how, how do players then know which ones they should work on? So if there's, if there's players listening to this and they're like, okay, well, that sounds great, but I want all of those things. Like, how do you know which, which one you need to focus on or whether you need to, to shotgun that and do a little bit of everything or to, to hit it with a sniper rifle and be really specific on stuff? How do you make those choices? Well, first of all, it's about the game. You know, uh, within the, the key philosophy, which I share with, with the head coach I've been working with uh, the latest years, uh, Peter Boss, is that everything has to be derived from the game. I think every player will be very good in expressing what they lack when it's about physical uh, abilities, whether it's uh, muscular endurance, whether it's a certain proneness for hamstring injuries, whether it's a lack of speed, a lack of strength, a lack of cha cha uh, capability to change direction in response to external stimuli. 
And I think that's a very important starting point. So when we make performance absolutely, uh, when we shape it in the most relevant way, so the game itself, and from there we start to reason back, um, I think that's a very important starting point. So start with the player, start with what he thinks he needs to improve and put that, uh, align that with what you find in your testing. Because I do believe testing is a very important uh, part of your uh, of your service as an SNC coach. So what I do in the beginning of the season, halfway the season, and in the end of the season, we do extensive testing in all possible direction to, to see if we can find muscular imbalances or a lack of strength, a lack of coordination. Um, so we try to identify that uh, through testing. And then we propose, because I truly believe a program can only work when it's a program not only coming from me, putting on the table of the athlete, but coming. it's, it's like a back and forth. It's a cooperation, so the especially elite players uh, coming from other elite environments as well. They bring a lot of experience with them and things they really like to do. And I try to combine that with what I've my findings from testing and observing the game. And uh, from there, it's not uh, it's not as easy as just putting some things on paper, like hey. We need to uh, we need to improve acceleration or we need to improve strength. For me, it's about uh, about the interaction where the actual uh, gain will be uh, derived. Because in the end, what I noticed with younger generations, especially the challenge, bigger and bigger, is creating intent to give the best of yourself in everything you do, and under and to be able to do that, you need to um, you need to have maximum buy-in. And you create buy-in by creating a very clear story and a structure uh, created by the two of you. And the way I do that is I obviously the easiest part is what do we want to develop? So we create a goal, development-based. So this is what we want to develop. For example, maximum speed. From there, we try to uh, describe, ask the athlete to describe what do you think, what kind of behavior do you need to develop all this? Yeah, and then it starts with, I have to be on time. Uh, I need to be able to put every time when I work on this aspect, I need to put in 100%. And, um, and describing all this sounds like ABCs, but I see in practice a lot of times this part gets skipped. But this is extremely important because you need to send the reminders out there when necessary. Because in moments when motivation is less because the player trains and invests really hard in, in himself, but he's not playing, he gets frustrated and you see, especially younger guys nowadays, they find it from time to time difficult to keep the good work up. And this is where you have to create habits and to be able to create habits. Yeah, this brings, uh, yeah, this brings in this part of your work with the athlete where you interact about how are we going to organize things? And then the last part is what kind of support do you expect from me? Uh, and what kind of support can I offer in terms of technology, etc.? And facilities and uh, and coaching time, and I think those three parts, like from goal to behavior to what do we need to support all this, I think this is extremely important to include. I think that's a, a really interesting insight. And when when players have got all of those things in order, right? So let's say they've they've worked out that their key physiological variables that they need to to get hold of are A, B, and C. Um, they've worked out where their uh, psychological barriers might be and what what kind of behavior they need to implement to then reach those goals. 
how can players start to work on these variables? So if you're, you're in the gym, for example, and you want to improve, let's say, that core integrity that you mentioned earlier, what kind of stuff can, can players be doing then to achieve those kind of adaptations? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, I don't believe in sessions which are very extensive. So I hate sessions which take typically more than 25, 30 minutes because most of the time those sessions will be done before they go to the pitch. Unless when there is a really a strength objective, then I'm convinced that this should be done after the, after the field session for tons of physiological reasons, which we're not going to dive in all the way right now. But um, I do believe in microdosing. Uh, and what I mean with microdosing is that often it's difficult to identify what works and what doesn't work. But the answer is really simple. The difference between poison and nutrition is the dose. And I believe applying microdoses every day, a little at a time, no more than five, six exercises, two sets dependent on, uh, on readiness. So when you feel based on interaction with the player, based from objective uh, um, points of data, when you feel he's less ready than he normally is, decrease to work. You can increase when he's when he didn't play, when he feels really up uh, to it, when all the objective measurements gives you a green flag. Then you can upscale the work a bit. Uh, but I think this is, uh, for me, organizing uh, this work is very organic. There's not a linear part uh, which tells you you have to do it every day. You have to do those amount of sets, reps, uh, with this uh, amount of rest in order to get to, to realize the objective. So when we talk about uh, core integrity, for example, this is like a low, uh, low, relatively low intensity work. This is like literally the first work you could be doing on, uh, on, on your on your day. Uh, this is where they come in. And I do believe on one side, they need a lot of instruction. So when they start working on that, we identify what kind of core integrity work is relevant to you because it's in the vertical or horizontal plane, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, does it have to be related to anti-rotation or is that less relevant for this player? So we, you need to tailor-made this for every player. And then you start on a highly instructive level in terms of reps, uh, how to do it, how to fire those uh, deeper uh, abdominal muscles properly. And then uh, more and more, I want to let them work autonomously. So they, in the end, they come in the gym, they grab a plate, and they start out working for themselves. Because I'm not only conditioning core integrity, I'm conditioning their willpower and their ability to organize themselves as well. Absolutely excellent. And I'm, I'm really interested to hear then what one of those activation sessions contains, right? So um, you kind of alluded to some stuff which might go on, but can you take us through then, let's say the player, player comes in in the morning and we know now that they're going to do an activation session before they go onto the pitch. Um, they come in in the morning, what are they going to do when they, when they get into the gym? When they get into the gym, first of all, based on the testing, based on the, on the feedback we get from the medical staff as well, the first 15 minutes, basically, they have time on their own. Uh, I do that for two reasons. One, uh, this 15 minutes, they will be, perhaps they have one or two exercises coming from the physios, working on certain elements, which is related to previous injury or preventing uh, a certain problem. Uh, where they are very prone to. Um, this is one reason. So they can do that in their own tempo and get into the session slowly, but sure. But after this 50 minutes, this is where the, my activation starts because 
it helps me because everybody will be there already in the room. So this avoids the moment where you say, ah, fuck, you're 30 seconds late or you're one minute late and I need to attack on that. I don't want to spend my energy on that. So you want to create good habits. So I like to have this 50 minutes in advance, like the physios and and the players, they, they do their thing. And a lot of players have their own things they really need to do and otherwise they can't go to the pitch. So we can get that off the bucket list and then we get into our session and basically i start with uh with core integrity so we give them uh based on how big the objective is more or less uh, work uh, within the within the core integrity part so we start on the plate uh doing uh hip extensions anti-rotational work uh, and and this is for every player individual it's very dependent on your body structure and where you need to improve then we, as I always say, you have to get on your feet and then you need to translate this to uh, more and more. So the, the, the activation session starts with uh, horizontal on a plate and it should be ending with movement patterns very, very clo- close to what they will be doing on the pitch. So it starts with core integrity, then they get on the feet. We start with some uh, coordinational work. And sometimes this can be as easy as uh, as a running ABC, just a, a standard uh, football warm-up, and then add it uh, with for every player individual. Uh, some needs to do some extra strength work. The other is going to do some, uh, some speed uh, work. The other is going to do some more core integrity work, but in the vertical uh, plane. And then they go out to the then they go out to the pitch because this is an important add-on. This activation is at the same time also the warm-up for the training. And do they do they then go straight into a relatively high intensity training session, or do they also like warm up with the ball a little bit first? No, this is uh, this is all included in uh, in in the gym. So when they go on the pitch, they typically go directly in a passing exercise, which has a good dynamic in there. And from there, they go to positioning games and all the other work, which is uh, of higher intensity. And can you can you take us through maybe some examples of exercises that you would use to to fill those gaps? So you've you've outlined a really nice system as to how you progress that session. Can you fill yeah. that in with some different exercises for us? It can be um, made up for a, a, a fictional athlete if you want, but just to give some more context to that that system. Yeah, no problem. So they start with the core integrity. Uh, besides the earlier mentioned facts, core integrity, I think is also very, you know, when they're on the plate, there is still the part where, they, where you can have a little bit noise, where you can have a little bit uh, going uh, back and forth, like small communication and talking. And from there, they go to uh, to the vertical work, so on their feet. And they start with more like soft tissue strengthening work this is how i typically call it so those are isometrical exercises or exercises where you are doing for example calf raises two feet up and one feet down very slowly focus on the eccentrical part uh for hamstrings and we can all make we can make of tons of exercises for that but like reverse lunge with uh with a flow in with a with a slide sliding backwards very slow but we focus on on quality of movement so high quality of movement in every plane and this is very important, knee and hip dominant. Um, and from there, we go to the to the more aggressive stuff. So this is where we, this is the first part where you actually get to see the body express some level of speed. So there we go, for example, to the Kaiser squat. Uh, we make a half squat, very explosive, or a Bulgarian squat. I prefer that even more. I prefer unilateral work over uh, bilateral work. 
Uh, and this is where I asked them to excel, but everything on very low volume. So like with me in the gym, you will never get to see uh, three series of 20 reps, for example, uh, unless there's a very specific uh, muscular endurance uh, objective we try to chase. But uh, I want to have high uh, quality and high, uh, high speed uh, exercises in that part. And from that part, when we finished all that, we go to uh, like more running based exercises. And this is what I, why I mentioned that the connection to the pitch is very important, the philosophy which is over there. Because when we, in the last part, when we try to translate this to, into speed, um, for example, with, uh, with the 1080, we've been using this a lot uh, to, to do it with resistance or some players even with, uh, based on uh, overspeed. In this last part, because I like to address speed in a very controlled environment before they go to the pitch within the scales. And this same applies, and this is the absolute last part. So this is firstly is most about linear. Then they go to the change of direction, cutting in increasing uh, tempos with a high focus on quality. So if they go from there to the pitch, they should be more than ready to move. But I didn't only insert a warm-up like, hey, we're moving and we're doing everything. We try to tick, tick every box because those need to be ticked before we can uh, go into training. Uh, I like uh, I like to do that with optimum quality. So there's actually a, a through training effect which comes along as well. I think that's absolutely excellent advice. So Terry, massive thanks for your time and effort. Sorry, sorry, sorry if I talk talk too much. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I think we're pretty much perfectly on time. I think it's uh, absolutely okay. uh, absolutely spot on. And I think obviously really interesting to get an insight into to how you can plan those sessions um, and to instead of just saying right, you're going to warm up, go and do a rondo, whatever, to actually yeah, hit some key physiological variables and, and make them better athletes um, in, an, uh, in an activation session, a strength session, as opposed to, yeah, just, uh, all right, okay, you, you go do uh, the warm-up over there and we'll see you in 15 minutes. So, yeah, I really yeah. appreciate it. Thank you very much. No problem. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Terry for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I'd like to put you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is an overgrowing library of online sports science courses which are broken down into bite-sized chunks, and that means you can fit it in and around your busy coaching schedule. Every time you complete a course, you'll also receive a certificate of completion, which means you can prove your ongoing education. So if you'd like to get into the Coach Academy completely for free for the next seven days, hit the link in the show notes and you can be in there in just a moment's time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.